Welcome to the Business for Good podcast, hosted by myself, Megan Lampke, where we inspire people to dare greatly, do good, and impact lives while reimagining their businesses for good. Join us weekly as we interview top executives, founders, and business owners to learn why they've decided to add an impact component to their products and services. This show is partnered with Venture, a nonprofit organization based in Minnesota, where their vision is to do tough things to reach people in tough places, working with their Business for Good platform. To learn more information or to get involved, visit venture.org forward slash business for good. Now let's dive in. Welcome to the Business for Good podcast with Megan Lamke. Today I am so honored to have Ryan Skoog join us. Ryan is a fiery redhead like myself and a serial entrepreneur. He has founded three for-profit companies and one not-for-profit company. Ryan, welcome to the Business for Good podcast. How are you? Oh, thanks so much. It's an honor to be here. I'm doing well. Thank you. Great. Well, tell us a little bit about the companies that you founded and this nonprofit that you have been a part of. Sure. Yeah. I I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. So you kind of had to start a company just to show up at the dinner table. Uh, (laughs) My dad started a company, my brother started one and, uh, and I was the black sheep. I hadn't started one, you know, right away. I had some other things that I did uh, serving youth and and some other jobs, but eventually I went to St. Thomas, got an MBA in entrepreneurship and took a marketing paper and turned it into a a, a business plan for an, an idea called fly for good, where we could, uh, there's humanitarian discounted airfare for people traveling for humanitarian purpose internationally. And, and so we end up serving um, all kinds of uh, you know, organizations that are sending people all over the world and then uh, ended up realizing that people needed travel insurance as well internationally. And so we founded a, another company to get travel insurance to them. And then we you know, kind of branched out into some different um, d- aggregation of travel insurance and some other different pro- um, travel technology products. And and so just kind of run into people that have, love ideas and want to partner together. And I, I actually love co-founding versus founding because I love working with a partner in, in something. And, um, you know, I can become really helpful at the beginning and then I can kind of lose my usefulness to a company as it keeps growing. And so I love to partner with people that love to really uh, dive into the, the the operations of it. I've always heard there's a, a hacker and a hustler in every company and and so I was finding hackers that really love to ha- dive into the business model and the operations part. And I love to think more in the marketing that, that where, where we can fit in the market and the people and the capital and all of that. So it's, it's yeah. been a blast. I love that analogy, a hacker and a hustler um, coming together to forge a company. That's so amazing. I've heard it um, described as being an activator or a maximizer and knowing you on a personal level, I would say you have all of those qualities. You're an activator, you're a maximizer, you're definitely a hustler. I mean, founding three different companies, you've sure learned, I'm sure, a bunch of lessons about how to scale a successful company. Um, Could you help us understand what have you done that really has helped scale your organizations to um, some of the success that you had pre-COVID? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, in, in international after we've taken a bit of a dip recently, but we're we're going to be coming back. And uh, no, the 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 for me scaling, you really have to think about 
uh, the, the people side of things. And, and I, there's, a, there's a great analogy. One time, uh, Bill Gates was asked who his top competitor was. And at the time, he said it was Goldman Sachs. And I said, they're not even a tech company. He says, no, 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 no. I'm in, I'm in competition for the best talent. And if I get the best talent, I win. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what industry it, 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 you know, I'm in. I need the best talent, just the period, and bring them into our industry. And so that I've always kept that in the back of my mind is like the, the real the, the real game in scaling up is not how do you scale up, it's who do you scale up with. And if you can mm-hmm. get the right folks and the right partnerships and working with the right people in the right spots, there's just this magic synergy that happens that you know, when, when each person in the team is really good at what they do and it's all complimentary and, and it's like just you just um, go after problems together and just nail them. And, and it's, it's incredible. So I love that side of things. The other part is um, in scaling up. Someone told me that the culture you start with is really important because it, it, that will automatically scale with your company. And so if the early culture is unhealthy, then you're going to scale unhealthy. And if the early culture is really defined and, and specifically laid out and the mission is clear, then that scales with the company. And you have people in your company that are evangelists of the culture versus yourself having to be the evangelist of the culture. If you, if you can define that early on versus, you know, oh, we'll figure that out later. And so I, I just think that's something that's really important. I, I talked to so many entrepreneurs that, that want to figure that stuff out later. Um, after they're growing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This has to be pre, a pre-decision of mm-hmm. what your culture is going to be even before you have lots of folks in, in the scaling up side of things. So those are yeah. just some of the things we've learned. That's so true. I mean, Jeffrey Moore says it really well that when you're crossing the chasm, that isn't the time to redefine corporate culture and to <laughs> figure out what your values and your mission and vision are. You're just supposed to ship or just yeah. execute at that point. Yeah. Um, and it's so important. I think that's where when you begin with a business with an, the end in mind, if you're not building that culture from day one or from pre-inception, it's, it's so hard to communicate your values and mission and vision to a team, yeah, and- customers. So true. And then connecting both those ideas um, is the idea of if you bake uh, mission into your culture, I've found that you can attract a lot higher quality talent than maybe you deserve at the level of a company that you are, the size that you are. I've had folks literally say, I can make more working for a bank, but I believe in what you guys are doing so much that I'm going to work here instead. And so it's, it's an incredible uh, you, your culture can actually be an attraction um, a method or engine for talent that, that is something that's you know, much greater than what you may deserve at the size of the company that you are. So, Wow. Tell us more about that. How have you created opportunities for um, your for-profit companies to foster the sense of mission and vision and values um, and kind of transform that into just not for profit. Sure, and maybe I need to go back and talk about the nonprofit, how that started as well. <laughs> yeah. <first. laughs> and uh, and so uh, the venture was actually a, a dorm dream in college, and it was like you know one of those late night, dude. What if we biked across the country to raise money to help you know impoverished children around the world? And we're like, let's try it. And I got, and, and I, my friend was like, yeah, I think I think we should do this. And I was like, well. I didn't know you're a cyclist. He's like, I'm not. I'm like, do you have a bike? No. Do you know how to raise money? No. Do you have any money? No. And when, when, when do you think we can do this? Two months. And it was just one of these haphazard, you know, go for it things. 
And it raised about $16,000, which for college students, you know, could have been huge. You know, it was massive, you know, changing the whole world entire with our 16,000, you know, and it was one of those moments. And, and yet people kept wanting to go on these tours of like physically sacrificing for other people. And it was just running, hiking, biking. It kept snowballing and a New York Times bestselling author went on one of our tours, wrote about it in his next New York, best, uh, New York Times bestselling book. And people called us from all over the country and it just started snowballing. And, and so really I've kind of been building for-profit companies and venture concurrently. And what we've done is we've taken the profits from the for-profit, covered all the admin of the nonprofit so that, cause I'm a businessman. I don't want people to have to worry about that. And, and it's grown to now, I think raised over $40 million and, and at, over 45 million meals that we've fed war refugees and rescued a couple thousand girls out of uh, trafficking situations. And it's just been incredible to see everything snowball from that side. So it's been uh, kind of scaling both a nonprofit and a couple for-profits at the same time is what, what the journey has been. But what we've talked about was always having that concurrent mission that whether it's a for-profit or a nonprofit, you start something because you want to make an impact. I, when I talk to true entrepreneurs, it's not, oh, I just want to make a lot of money. You yeah. can do that in a lot of different ways. If you want to actually take on the, the weight and the pressure and the craziness of entrepreneurship, it's because you genuinely want to make an impact somehow, mm -hmm. whether it's creating jobs, changing people's lives, upending an industry, or using it, uh, a business for, for positive change. That, that's the driving, when you really pull, you know, dig down, that's the driving core of anyone that's an entrepreneur. And so we thought, let's just, let's just marry this impact, this idea of like the for-profits or the nonprofits. They're all tools to be able to make an impact in the world. And so we started tagging um, uh, our sales. Every ticket that we sold or travel insurance policy got a meal to a Burmese refugee. And, and that, that was the original kind of genesis of this, let's tag every sale to a tangible, you know, tangible good. And that realized that, whoa, wait a minute, when we do this, our for-profit employees and our nonprofit employees both had the same mentality. We come here, we work our butts off so that kids can eat, not so that we can make someone just wealthy, but you know, like if we sell more tickets, more kids get fed. And that is such a motivator. And we found that people are like, I want to get up and do that every day, not just you know, um, make some money for someone else. I want to go out and make a difference with my skill set and with my talent. And so we're able to really attract some incredible talent early on. Like I said, better than we probably deserved at the scale we were at. And 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 it just the, the motivating factor and the inspiration, the creativity that all of that spurs when you realize that there's some cause or some mission that's greater than just the organization. Um, it, it bleeds into the culture. It's like becomes the heartbeat. And it's really, if you can reinforce that and keep that top of mind, it's just a really powerful, powerful mix. Wow. That is amazing that it's actually become the heartbeat of your organizations and this common link that ties everything together. It sounds like it's really impacted not only employee retention, but just overall positivity of the work that everyone is doing is making a difference. Yeah. Oh man. And that's, you know, when you start looking at the, the, the four, the four things that make people happy, Harvard did a 70 year study on this. So it's the longest study of its kind. And, and really the number four 
uh, the, the top are faith and family and, and, and some type of um, uh, relationship or sorry, some good friendships, but the number four, and actually the four things that make people happy, it's like these four. And then like number five is way down the list. So mm-hmm. it really is. There's four. And the number four was meaningful labor, mm-hmm. meaning that like your work matters. Your work makes a difference. That That's actually higher than money. It's it's actually higher than a lot of the other things. And so, this, and this is, you know, the, the biggest study of its kind done by Harvard. And so I thought, wow, that is something that we can offer as a company is that meaningful labor, not, not a job that doesn't mean something, but a job that means something in the world. And if you can do that, man, the, the energy it provides to employees, the, the, the excitement, the creativity, um, it, it just, it does, it motivates in ways that no motivational leader could ever motivate. It's like a mission mm-hmm. that motivates. And that's, a, that's just something so exciting that, that as a business person, I would never want to not take advantage of that, that, uh, that, that motivating tool. Wow. So when you're using this motivational tool, um, tell us about some of the success stories or some of the fun um, experiences that you guys have been able to accomplish as a team or some of the lives that you've been able to impact through venture and through ticket sales. Oh, sure. So one of the things is um, with, with our customers, we will actually sell to like wholesale airfare, which is very complicated, but there's large companies of our large, large amounts of it. They'll come to us and say, instead of asking, hey, how many tickets did we you know, purchase with you last year? They'd say, how many, how many meals did we provide? Mm. They, our customers got it. Like I was, love that, that they're changing the whole narrative of yeah. how many people can I impact if I'm going to do my normal business activities mm-hmm. as a customer? Wow. Yeah, that's the, mo- that's the moment when it changes. So what, what, what I've found is psychologically, when you transfer your um, missional impact as a company, uh, when you change it from like, hey, we do this, well, a customer will go, oh, that's nice. You make money off me and then you give a check to something, whatever. But when you tell the customer, when you buy this, this good is happening, you transfer giving from the company to the customer. And the customer actually feels like they're the one that are they're giving mm-hmm. and they own it. And they feel like, wow, we, by choosing your company, have given to these kids and made this impact. And so if you can highlight what that impact is and highlight um, what, what that impact, you know, how, how the difference that they've made. The customer's like, sweet, I've done something great in the world. And, and that's, that's where you really win as a company. There's, uh, boy, what it, from Campbell's Soup to Forbes to several others have done studies on this. And the customer retention is up like 90% when they really catch that, like by choosing you, you know, similar product, similar price, uh, similar service, but, but by choosing you, I'm making this impact. It's like 90% of the times they'll do that. And it'll keep it'll keep them coming. So it's it's so cliche to say, but doing good is is good business, and it's um, you know from a data and factual and uh, analytical stance, you can measure it that it is really good business. So, what would you say to people who um, are kind of naysayers on the other side of the coin, saying, "Well, if I spend all this time, energy, and effort doing, um, you know." charitable giving, I'm actually going to eat into my profits and not be as profitable. What would you say to those people? Do you have any statistical yeah, I mean, analysis? So, about- so this, this program started kind of with our companies, but we've been helping other people do this mm-hmm. and, and keeping notes and, 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 and tracking the data. And like uh, one, of, one of my friends, he sold I mean, one of the most, it's so funny. He sells boxes. He's a box maker. 
But what they are is these conductive containers so that they, you know, computer chips won't get um, wiped by magnets and, and static yeah. electricity. So it's really technical, but I call him a box seller. And, and he had, you know, 13 different box lines. And he, he tried this from a, like a control group. He said, you know what, I'm going to do a, a meal, about every box is a meal on, on, one, on one line of our 13 lines. Well, his lines grew normally year over year about four to five percent. This one grew 30% year over year, and all the other ones grew 4 to 5%. So it didn't cannibalize sales from any other line. It just wow. shot up. And he's going, wow, there's more to this than I thought. And, and really, it's becoming so ubiquitous that it's kind of becoming something that ex- customers are expecting to know, hey, if I'm working with you, what, what's the greater impact that you're going to have as a company? So it's, it's you know, the, the, with the new generation coming up, they're expecting you to do good not just like inspired by it. So it's almost a like permission to play kind of a thing that's happening. And so, yeah, yeah well, that, and that's just one. I mean, I had another, um, another guy who did uh, real estate and he said, every home we sell, we're going to provide a home to a traffic girl for one year. Mm-hmm. And, and they got together as a team, all of the different agents, and they came up similar. Their goal was not how many homes do we sell, but how many girls are we going to provide a home for? Mm-hmm. And it's just so motivating on both sides, you know, your company and your employees and your, your customers and the customer attention. It's just been magic. On Here's the deal. I, I can be skeptical myself. And the, the data that we've seen and the responses we've seen are, are better than my expectations. I kind of had low expectations um, for when, you know, we saw some great things in our company, but I didn't think it would translate. And it's translated actually much better for other companies than even for us. It's pretty exciting. Wow. That that's really exciting. Well, and I know I've been a part of working with venture and using our own um, metrics as far as measuring business for good and creating an impact with rescuing girls from sex trafficking. And it's, it's snowballed our business. It's um, better than I ever expected. And I too was very skeptical. Um, So what advice would you have to, for someone who is looking at either restructuring their company or founding a company with this idea of creating a corporate called corporate culture that gives back? Yeah. Um, so I would definitely say three things. It can't, it can't be vague. It has to be specific and tangible. So it's when this blank activity happens, this good or service or transaction happens, this tangible good thing happens. Because then that's, that's the magic that translates giving from the company to the customer. So that's the first part is it can't be vague. And, and I've seen a lot of people mistakenly do a lot of giving, but never really take advantage of the potential that giving can have to motivate customers and, and their employees. Um, and the specificity is the first part. The second part is... Um, to communicate stories, pictures on a regular basis, so that the, the, the our, my friend who sells the boxes, they actually made spent the money and got some posters where they put up not posters but like uh, uh, those um, what do you like want, a like, trade show pull like, up like a trade show yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. a trade show pop up. He bought several of those and just put them around the office. He got some of the best feedback he's ever had from his employees. They're saying, "I come to work every day. I see that picture." And I'm like, that, that's what I'm working for. That's what I'm mm. going to happen. And so, the, so the, the second thing I'd say is you have to visually put it in front of both audiences, the customers and, the, and, the, um, and, and, your, and your employees. 
And so some people do incredible giving, but their employees have no idea that, that what it is. And they have no idea that if they work harder and better, that more people are helped. So that's the other part is that you really need to get that connection that if we do you know, better this year, it's, it's measured, it's tied to more uh, people being affected. And that's, that's the part where it's really translated into, oh, my work matters. Because if I do a good job in this area, it's going to translate ultimately into more people being helped. So that's the second part. So it has to be tangible and clear. And then it has to be tied to go, you know, your sales for the, for your, and, and, and reinforced for your employees. And then on the customer side, it just needs to be celebrated. And, and you need to take some time to celebrate tangibly what people did. And if you do those three things, then you're really seeing that magic um, happen of, of, of it, the mission and everything, motivating people, keeping customers around and all of that. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's important for those three because if it's vague, if the employees don't really know about it, and if the customers don't really know about it, then you're just missing out on the incredible motivating factor that It'll, you know, from a marketing and motivation from an employee side that, that you're just missing out on what the potential that could be there. That's really, yeah. really, so. And they continue to build upon each other. So as you're um, being more clear and being more specific, you're continuing to have um, communications around what's selling, what's not selling, how the line is doing. And then you're continuing to celebrate wins with customers. That's, uh, it just is this trifecta that continues to build upon each other. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is. It, it can snowball. And, and that's, that's when there's some real motivation um, because it's, it's even translated for us into like um, our, our employees are asking on a regular basis, can we get um, some pictures around the office, more pictures around the office just to see, because some days I'm having a bad day, but I'm not having a bad, you know, my day is never as bad as some of the people were helping. And so like that, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is real world. It's, it's really like, you know, rubber hits the road kind of motivation for people that's, that's tangible. So yeah, that, that trifecta, when they all work together, when there's a clear, a clear mission of people helping, it's tied to sales, the employees know about it and the customers know about it and celebrated. Um, like you said, it, it snowballs in a way that can affect your culture more and your company much more than you even think. It's not just a side thing. It, when it becomes a core thing, it becomes one of the growth engines of a tangible growth engines of a company. And so mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it, you know, in a crass way, it's, a, it is a business strategy. It's not just a, an add on. Right. Uh, so as things continue to open up, um, one of my favorite uh, stories that you guys sh- highlighted in 2020 was this idea of if you're having a bad day as an employee and you're quarantined, um, someone in Southeast Asia is having a horrible day and you did this beautiful picture of like being staying, staying at home in your residence versus staying at home in what looks like a shanty town or a shack mm-hmm. in Southeast Asia. And yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I was just wondering, tell us more about the impact that you've made in 2020 specifically with venture in those really tough to reach places and doing tough things for tough people or tough yeah, things yeah. for people in tough places. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you hit on it. It, it, it. And early on when I talked about, we did these crazy run, hike, bike, and that's the kind of the genesis of venture. We thought, well, if we're doing tough things, we should probably go where it's really bad. Where, where is it like child soldiers and war refugees and trafficked uh, you know, young girls? And where, where's like the most trafficked people group in the world and the body people. And, 
in Nepal. Let's work there. Like, let's go to those places. And those places, um, you know, like it, some of the places where we work, quarantine is life for them and living under an oppressive government. You can't meet with more than nine people ever. Or uh, you talk about, you know, social distancing. There's uh, the body people are the lowest caste in their country. They can't touch anyone in a different caste ever. So social distancing has been their life, you know, and, and so it's, it's we've had a little taste of what life is for people in these very tough areas. And we've been able to, in the midst of COVID with lockdowns, uh, we, we totally re, revamped our models to do a lot more agricultural businesses to provide jobs for people in these tough villages. We've done feminine hygiene programs and sanitation programs. We've actually gone from village to village with sanitation and masks and, and all of these um, and then use that as an open door to start training in other areas of agriculture and, and, and feminine hygiene. And so we've been able to, it's crazy, but we were able to reach more people in 2020 than we've ever been able to reach in the midst of COVID. So it's like, uh, you know, some finances were down, some, um, some challenges with lockdowns, and we were able to, you know, agricultural programs, we had some farms that just uh, several, a couple hundred farms that were able to empower, they all had really great crops. And so we actually fed more people than we do normally in, in these tough areas where, um, you know, there's war, war refugees and, and challenges. So it's been, it's been an awesome, awesome experience to see our staff and our team all over in these difficult areas rise above. I just actually got a, a text from one of our staff. He said he in Myanmar, where there's a coup, they were getting food to these starving kids and they had bullets flying over the truck. It was like a movie. And he said, we, but we decided nothing's going to stop us from being able to reach them. And so that's the kind of, you know, it's just a real good reality check that I've never really had a bad day. You know, like yeah. that's, that's a bad day. You know, I've never really had a bad day. And, you know, hearing from one of our friends who said, man, the greatest thing when I was rescued from trafficking was I get to have dinner. I was like, what? And she's like, I'm, you know, I just never been able to have dinner. You know, this is amazing. Three meals a day. It's the best thing ever. And I thought, man, as tough as COVID is, I've had three meals a day if I wanted to every every day day of COVID. So uh, of all last year. So it's just this great, I call it gratefulness therapy. When we, mm-hmm. when we start hearing these stories of what our brothers and sisters and our friends overseas are, you know, are facing, it's, it, it really brings this incredible joy of like, oh, I get to have dinner. That's amazing. You know, like that, this is great. There aren't bullets flying overhead. That's an exciting thing. You know, like mm-hmm. it's a good day. And so that gratefulness therapy can seep into your company, into you, into your culture. And it, and it really makes a huge difference to go, okay, we're, we're all right. We're, we're doing pretty good actually. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that's been a, a, something that's carried us through COVID and, and that kind of attitude spurred into our staff and has enabled, has enabled us to reach even more people uh, in, in one of the toughest years ever. Wow. Just having a, an attitude of gratitude and gratefulness can really go a, a long way. Tell us, what are you most excited about for 2021 with your for-profit businesses and with venture? Yeah. So the for-profit's pretty basic. We are excited about travel coming back. You know, yeah. I know people are itching. I've heard of revenge travel. People are like going to have revenge on COVID and travel. And, and, and it's, it's a thing in the Wall Street Journal. I was like, that yeah. sounds awesome to me. So we're, <laughs> we're looking forward to that rebuild. Um, and then on the on the nonprofit side, um, we're we're really excited about some of the borders opening up um, to be even more effective. So 
you know, we, we had some, had a lot of challenges to overcome, but in retooling our models, we're able to help more people with even um, less resources uh, per person, per, you know, less capital outlays. So we're actually more efficient. So I'm excited about being able to, you know, now that we're more efficient as things ramp up, we're going to see even exponential uh, reach as far as helping people out. And uh, there's some, some challenges, as, as you know, and you're, you're a part of this, uh, open borders means that there's going to be more trafficking. Mm-hmm. And, and so then we're, we're launching the border patrol stations to be able to intercept girls as they're being trafficked across particular borders and, and launching those in new countries as well. So um, that, that's a lot of expansion that we're going to see. But one of the things I'm really excited about, and this is, sounds cliche, is this Business for Good program because we've seen such growth. So many companies are signing up going, wow, this really is a differentiator for This really is motivating folks. This really is working for us, like ten, you know, tangibly working in our bottom line and our culture. And uh, I'm really excited to see that. Uh, this, this thing, it's kind of exploding. And I'm really excited to see this program and um, move in a way that we can help so many businesses and help those businesses help other people. It's exciting. Awesome. Well, where can people find out more information about Venture or Fly for Good or Yonder or? Yeah, yeah. Um, so venture.org is the place for venture. And there's a slash business for good for those who are interested in the business for good program. We we actually tailor and help take all the guesswork of how to put one of these programs together. We send you the pictures and the stats and the stories and, t- and, and come up with a narrative that matches for your particular service or your goods. Um, and a price point that works, a tangible good price point that works. And so that's where that can happen. And then um, Fly for Good is flyforgood.com and, and uh, Yonder is yondertravelinsurance.com. So yeah, any of those would be great. A volunteer card is volunteercard.com. So just put .com after everything. And Yeah, easy good. enough. Keep marketing simple. We'll go ahead and put all of those in the show notes. Thank you so much for being a guest today, Ryan. Hey, this is an honor. Thank you so much. I'm inspired by what you do. And, and, and it's just, you know, especially um, something that's near and dear to our hearts. We've been empowering uh, women uh, entrepreneurs over in Nepal and, and being able to have that connection uh, between what you do and, and women entrepreneurs in Nepal who are for the first time realizing that they can rise up and start a business is just exciting. So it just, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Yeah. That's what keeps me going is how many women entrepreneurs can we create in 2021? How many more can we do it with our investments? So again, thank you so much until next time, everybody dare greatly do good and make a difference. This has been an episode of business for good. Thank you for joining the business for good podcast. Make sure to subscribe leave a five-star review and share this with a friend.